On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about abortion. We're going to talk about abortion in two aspects. One is the obvious one, the physical crime and sin of abortion. Uh, I guess we can't really call it a crime because they've made it legal in our country, but it is certainly a horrible sin and an atrocity. We want to talk about, just remind everybody about the simple Bible truths on physical abortion. But then, Jacob, we have an idea that maybe some parents, lots of parents, are actually aborting their children spiritually by failing to bring them along in the ways that they should, training them in the ways of God. All right, so we're going to talk about two types of abortion on the virtual Bible study tonight, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday july 5th 2018 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight we had a week uh, off last night we, on, we on had an unexpected week off last week because and Actually, the first time it's ever happened, Jacob, we've worried about it before, but for the first time ever, we had uh, severe thunderstorms roll through the Columbia, Tennessee area, and it knocked out our our Internet connection. It actually happened earlier in the day, and we kept hoping that we'd get restored service, but we did not uh, in time. And so for the first time ever, we had to bail out because of no Internet. But we're back tonight, uh, same topic that we were going to talk about last week, and so hopefully... Our listeners stuck with us and are ready to talk about this important topic. And we've tonight. got Josh McCord Josh here McCord to help us between us. Josh, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad that you, uh, Josh, has uh, got the, the night off. Normally working this time every uh, week, but uh, has the night off, so he took advantage of that and came to join us. Thank you, Josh, for being a part of the program tonight. Kyle's behind the controls tonight. Kyle, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me. It's good to looking be here. Looking forward to hearing from both of you guys. Looking forward to hearing from you on the other end of the line tonight at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeview.com or in the chat room two housekeeping items jacob one is we're right on an anniversary for the virtual bible study Mm -hmm. you remember the first date uh, it was early june in 20 or 2005 2005 so we're right at and i'm not sure uh i think the first uh audio file in our archives dates to maybe a little later in the month but i think we had one or two before we got them recorded and put up on the internet okay. on, on our website so anyway, we're right at 13 complete years of the virtual bible study ready to start into our 14th year that being the case we're approaching 700 episodes in mm. our in our archives on the uh, virtual bible study page all of them are there in wma format we don't have nearly all of them in video format we weren't even doing video when the Program first. Well, no, we began. were worried that people might not even have enough bandwidth to stream an yeah. audio-only program. Yeah. That's how long ago it was. A lot yeah. of people still on dial-up back in those days. Yeah, that's, like, that's right. Uh, but anyway, all, all and, you know, I think that serves as a pretty good resource, by the way. If nearly 700 or 680 or something like that, different episodes of the Virtual Bible Study. 
And if you just do a simple search on that page, go to the WMA archives. And if you're studying a subject and you wonder what somebody else has had to say about it, you can go to that page, probably find some reference to it on that page where you can uh, uh, get, get some information for that. And uh, we issued uh, a few years ago, issued the Try and Catch Up If You Can Challenge, and a couple people have gone back and listened to Most all of the programs all. caught up. But that's and remember, pretty, those are hour-long programs, so that's like a, a 680 hours yeah. worth of listening. That's yeah. a lot. I think we have two people that have gone back and done that. So, But, yeah, don't do that. Why don't you just grab a hold and <laughs> hang on for now, huh? where yeah. we are now. And then the other bit of uh, sort of housekeeping information we should mention is that we're just – a little over two weeks out from our community Bible study here in, in Columbia, Tennessee. This is an annual event. This is the eighth year that we've done this. Uh, we go to a municipal auditorium downtown called the Memorial Building. And for two nights, and this year it will be July 23rd and 24th, Monday and Tuesday, we always pick a special topic that we think is of particular interest and will, will be of interest in our community. This year we're going to talk about creation versus evolution. We actually have a qualified scientist who is well-studied in these matters who's going to come and talk with us. His name is David Aiken. I think a lot of our listeners probably will recognize that name, David Aiken. He's done a lot of this sort of teaching all around the country. He's a Ph.D. in biology. Uh, he's retired professor uh, at the university level and uh, well-qualified to talk with us about creation and evolution and the and the the things that we can know about those issues, which I think are real important because a lot of our young people are having the faith seriously challenged yeah. on those subjects. All right, so you'll want to be here for that. Again, if you're anywhere around the Columbia, Tennessee area, it'd be worth your time to come and visit with us. Yeah, and and we've got an. Uh, if you want a little more information on our uh, church homepage, collegeview.com, if you look at the if you look at that church homepage, you can get. Uh, more information about the meeting place and times and so forth. All right. So check it out there at collegeview.com, and please make sure to have, make plans to be there uh, for our community Bible study. All right. All right. To our topic at hand tonight. To our topic held over from last week because of our Internet outage. We sent out an update last week and the same one again this week telling you what we want to talk about. So first we're going to talk about physical abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I asked on our update list, if you're not on the list, get there by sending us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We'll add you to our list. You'll get these updates. To our update list, we send out, number one, what are some of the most shocking current statistics about abortion? Uh-huh. Number two, what are the strongest arguments to be made from the Bible proving that abortion is the killing of an innocent child? Number three, is abortion ever justified, for instance, in cases of rape or incest? Number four, what are some of the most misguided priorities? Now, that, that's physical abortion. Now, let's talk about the fact that parents could actually be committing what we could, in a way, term, term spiritual abortion of the children. What are some of the most misguided priorities that parents pursue in regards to their children that can lead to spiritual death? Mm-hmm. Comment on these things, both physical and spiritual, that parents owe their children. Physical necessities, instruction in God's word, discipline, a godly example, a peaceful home. Okay. So those are the things we want to talk about tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Some shocking statistics on abortion in America today. We got a, we got an answer uh, from Chris uh, in England. We have not heard from Chris hey. in a long time. Chris, great to hear from you again Thanks over for in the uh, UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Chris says uh, in the U.S. there are over 3,300 abortions every day, leading to them having killed more by abortion than the population of my country since Roe. The rate in Asia is twice that. Japan, uh, I'm not sure, uh, Japan, because of the fact that contraception is illegal, has the highest rate of all countries. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. It is... The, the the number now has reached over 60 million in the United States. 60 million abortions mm. have, have been committed. Uh, I thought I had some stats on that, but maybe I don't. But it is it's now officially over 60 million. Remember, Roe versus Wade was a decision of the Supreme Court in 1973 mm-hmm. that legalized abortion in all 50 states of the Union. And since that time, over 60 million innocent lives have been snuffed out by abortion. To get a, to, to sort of put that in perspective, what I think is really interesting, you, you know how many American soldiers have been killed in the whole history of our country, going all the way back to the Revolutionary War? If you took the Revolutionary War, you took the War of 1812, you took all the Indian Wars, you take the American Civil War, you take uh, World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, the latest fighting in the Middle East, 1.5 million American soldiers have wow. died. Well, that's a lot. And it's a sad thing for that many lives to be lost in war. But that pales in comparison to over 60 million babies that have been killed just in the last 45 years since, uh, is that right? 45, 45 years since Roe uh, versus Wade decision. That, that's just incredible. Um, Chris goes on to say, um, by the way, he mentions the rate in Asia is twice that of the U.S. In Japan, Japan's the highest rate of abortion in all countries. He says more than half are done to women under 25 makes women two to three times more likely to commit suicide or to abuse the children they do give birth to. It is the leading killer of African-Americans. Sex-selective abortions have led to over 100 million fewer women. And so that's uh, if it's a, if it's a female uh, baby, then that one's got less like of a chance. Like in China. Yeah. In China, they want boy babies, uh, and they yeah. can only have one. So if they find out that they're going to expect a girl, they abort it. Uh, he says... Here's, uh, he gets a, a, he says a little cheeky, but he says worth saying, zero percent of all pro-choice people have been aborted. <laughs> Get that yeah. now. They, so here's a person who's in favor of abortion. They want abortion to be legal, but it it it, it didn't. They weren't aborted. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're fortunate that their parents didn't yeah. choose that right. option. Right. But now they want to abort other babies. So yeah. I think that's a pretty good way to say it. Zero percent of pro-choice people. That is, people who favor abortion, 0% of them have been aborted. And then he says one interesting thing, not a statistic. Roe never got, actually got an abortion. Jane Roe. Yes. She was the one that was the basis of that court case. It was a Texas case. Mm -hmm. And she uh, took it to court contesting the fact that she could not get a legal abortion in Texas. She took it to court. and before the decision was made, she actually gave birth to the baby that she wanted to abort. The baby lived, was adopted out. Uh, I, I, don't, I suppose it was many years later before that person found out that they were the one that this whole 
mess was about. Uh, but that is interesting. That she's Jane changed, Rowe. She's changed her. And now she's pro-life. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So good statistics, Chris. Thanks a lot. Okay. Yes, thank you, Chris. Um, okay, good. Go ahead. We got a, a, an email from Travis there, Jacob. You see that? Yeah, one? Travis uh, sent an email after the program uh, should have aired last week, and he was going to comment. He says, "Every time there is a school shooting, each political side parades their version of morality a little bit louder than the last time. Who is going to ask the question? Do we, as a nation, have the right to act shocked or sad every time innocent children are killed in school, while we collectively, as a nation, have allowed by law and apathy?" The unborn Holocaust of, over the past four decades. That's a good question. I mean, if if someone goes into school and shoots ten children, it's it's all in the news. It's a horrible thing, and it is a horrible thing. Yes, but I mean, more than that happens in every major city every day, in, the, in every in the clinic, board. every abortion clinic. Yeah, way more than that. Yeah, and so Travis asked the question. Well, you know, that doesn't line up. He says, if you consider our nation blessed by God, know this is only uh, th- know this only we do not deserve it. But no nation has ever survived the spilling of innocent blood. He references Deuteronomy chapter nineteen, verse ten, talks about God's uh, uh, hatred of uh, the shedding of innocent blood, and that He's going to hold people accountable. That's a scary thought. Uh, you might look that up because that, that, you know, the, the Amorites that were the people that were being driven out of the promised land were being driven out for their for their horrible wickedness. And one of their wicked deeds was that they sacrificed their babies to their idol gods. One of the, one of the famous gods was Molech. Yeah. Uh, and they, they sacrificed their living babies to this idol god, which we think it just sounds horrible. But haven't we in America effectively done the same thing? Well, why did they offer sacrifices to these gods? Because they thought it would make their life better. The gods would bless them. They'd be happier. Richer. Richer. They could do what they wanted to do. Wasn't that why people are having abortions today? Same reason that people were burning their babies to Molech then. Apparently, I've heard that that was like like an idol that had its arms out like this. And they heated it up. They'd heat them up red hot. And then they'd start playing music and making noise as they put their babies on that red-hot idol and the screaming, no, no doubt, and the, the terrifying sound. They're playing this music so you couldn't hear it. And we've got that going on today where people are bannering, oh, it's great that you can have abortion. You've got the right. It's And don't, don't worry about what you're doing. It's the right thing. You had to do that. We wouldn't want the baby to come into a, a difficult situation. It's exactly parallel to them offering their babies to Molech. We've got to get Josh in here. Deuteronomy 19, verse 10 that Travis referenced, he says, uh, God says, uh, lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and thus the guilt of bloodshed be upon you. That's Moses there. Innocent blood. Yeah, innocent blood. All right, thank you, Travis, for your email. Josh, join in here. Yeah, so I think you guys are right on the mark. It's just, it's sad because it's typically uh, one sin has led to, a child being uh, created, and then another sin uh, to have the child murdered to whatever God people are offering it to today. You know, I'm selfish, so I don't want to have to give up what I like to do with this child is going to be a nuisance, so I can just go get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's it's just one bad decision is leading to multiple ones, and exactly right, sad thing. Yeah. All exactly right, right, we need to get a break, and when we get back, uh, we'll let's get just into we'll re- we want when we get back, we want to remind everybody. Let's let's make sure we are ready with strong arguments from the Bible to combat physical abortion. All right, when we get back, we're continuing. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this.
Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we'll do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Admitting that you've been wrong proves that you are wiser now than you were before. Character is not made in crisis, it's only revealed in crisis. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. Back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, the sin of abortion. Physical abortion is uh, rampant in our society and the world. And uh, we're talking about the biblical case against that practice. Yeah. Um, There's a couple arguments that I've always thought are very strong. One of them, so is that baby in the womb, is that regarded as life by God while the baby's still in the womb? Or is it not until the baby comes out of the womb that God regards that as a sacred human life? Well, the the modern argument is, oh, that baby, that, 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 Organism couldn't survive without its mother. Yeah, so it's not yeah, really yeah. Alive. We we hear them throw this word out, viability. It's not. Yeah. The fetus is not viable. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't live on its own, so it's not really human yeah. until it reaches a state of viability. That's why, and it's so inconsistent. That's why, you know, they they have banned third trimester abortions because a baby in the third trimester probably could live outside the womb, but before that, no. So it's okay to kill them. Uh, but interestingly, again, in the horrible inconsistencies of our justice system, if a, if you were to kill a woman with a child and the and the woman died and the child died, you recounted with two counts of murder. That's right. You know, yeah. which is just I mean, but the abortion doctor is doing that every day. Yeah, he never gets charged with murder. But I, I here's I think maybe the very best passage. Uh, Chris mentions this in his email. I think the very best passage that shows how God regards a baby in the womb. Uh, and I don't know what version he's quoted here, uh, but Exodus 21, beginning verse 22. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge is determined. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life. I really do think that's a really good text there in Exodus 21, verses 22 and 23. Not because we live under that law today. We always try to make that point. But because that establishes how God views that child in the womb. As Life. Same, same penalty for killing that child in the womb as killing any any other person. That adult, his life would be life for life. the pay- payment for the unborn baby's life. Exactly right. Okay. Um, 
And then there's a, a, a second argument that I like uh, real well in arguing that babies in the womb are considered alive by uh, in God's estimation. In Luke chapter 1, when, when Mary went to visit Elizabeth. Now, mm-hmm. remember, Mary has just found out that she's pregnant with Jesus. Mary was much further along. She was six months ahead pregnant with John the Baptist. And so Mary comes in and and Elizabeth says verse 44 Luke 1 For lo as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now the word babe there and remember Luke was a physician he's using technically correct terminology here by inspiration. I think the Greek word there is brephos. Mm-hmm. Now, look in chapter 2. This is after Jesus has been born. Uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus are in the stable. The baby is in the manger. The shepherds have been informed by angels that the Savior has been born. They come to see him. Luke 2, verse 16, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. That's that same word, brephos. So Luke, the physician, by Holy Spirit inspiration, used the exact same term to describe a baby in the womb and a baby already born. I think that makes a pretty strong argument. All right. Uh, Chris uh, also mentioned his email, Genesis 25, verse 22, Rebecca is got twins inside of her, uh, and uh, something feeling just right. Uh, the two are struggling inside her womb. It said in verse 22, but the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. She said, well, something right here. And it's not the fetuses that are struggling. The children are struggling in her womb. Yeah. They're children. Yeah, okay. uh, that's a good argument. Uh, Proverbs 6 Verses 17 and 18, the Lord hates six things, and among those six things, yea, seven are an abomination. It says, one of those is the shedding of innocent blood. How could you better describe abortion? Josh, you've got an argument for us? Yeah, Jeremiah 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So similar as as the passage you referenced in Luke, just before before he was born, God already had a plan for that that child, and so He knew the he child, knew. yeah, and it, and it was a living thing. Exactly right. Okay. Um, there's a good argument to be made from Romans one thirty one, where it lists the sins of the Gentile world. There at the end of Romans chapter one, and one of the phrases there, listing the sins of the pagan Gentile world, was without natural affection. Okay. All right, now let me read to you a quote from Barnes' notes on the New Testament. Barnes is a well-known, Albert Barnes, a well-known commentator. He said, without natural affection, this expression denotes the want of affectionate regard toward their children. The attachment of parents to children is one of the strongest in nature, and nothing can overcome it but the most confirmed and established wickedness. And yet the apostle charges on the heathen generally the want of this affection. He doubtless refers here to the practice so common among heathens as exposing their children or putting them to death. This crime, so abhorrent to all the feelings of humanity, was common among the heathen and still is. The Canaanites, we are told in Psalm, uh, he references Psalm 105, I think, verse 37. 
sacrificed their sons and daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. Manasseh, who among the Jews imitated that, that example and introduced the horrid custom of sacrificing children to Molech and set the example by offering his own uh, child, Second Chronicles 33, verse 6. Among the ancient Persians, it was common custom to bury children alive. Uh, in most of the Grecian states, infanticide was not merely permitted, but actually enforced by law. So, you know, this is not a new problem in America. It's a longstanding problem, but it's always, the scriptures have just been consistent in expressing God's horrible disdain for this sin. All right. Uh, guest 9116 says Romans 1 also includes hearty applause of the same. There are no innocent bystanders. And 9116 says the sled argument, unbiblical admittedly, the size, level of development, environment, dependency. So that's is that called the sled argument? I've not heard that before. But uh, 9116 goes on and says the same is true of the fetus as a one-year-old. And that's true. A, a, a one-year-old baby couldn't. On its your own. daughter couldn't live on her own, Josh. Nope. She's still dependent if on you. If you just set her outside. She, she'd never survive. In fact, she's probably more dependent on you than she was when she was still in the womb. That's correct. It's a little bit busier at your house now than <laughs> when she was in the womb. That's a true statement. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, to that comment that 91.16 said, Romans 1 talks about those who applaud. Uh, the, the last verse of that says, who knowing, this is Romans 1.32, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Yeah. And, I, boy, that fits our society, doesn't it? Because we hear all of this political outrage. They take pleasure in legal abortion. They take pleasure in people kill innocent, killing innocent babies. That, that verse really applies to them. All right. Uh, we need to get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we need to quickly talk about rape and incest. Are those justifiable reasons? for an abortion and then we need to get on to this other discussion about spiritual abortion because that's occurring every day too and sadly it's occurring in the church we'll talk about that don't go anywhere the virtual bible study will continue right after this now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week find out more at collegeview.com there's more of the virtual bible study right after these important messages this is greg Wynn with this week's bullet point when Paul preached his famous sermon on Mars Hill in Athens, his teaching received three distinct reactions. Quote, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men claimed to him and believed. That's Acts 17, beginning verse 32. Do you see it? Some rejected the teaching immediately. Others procrastinated or withheld judgment and did nothing. But some enthusiastically accepted the truth and acted upon it. The same three reactions are in evidence to this day, even among members of the Lord's church. Consider this scenario. The preacher preaches a hard sermon that exposes sin and worldliness. It is one of those sermons that steps on toes and hits close to home. Some Christians will grow angry. The things taught suggest the need to change, and they're not willing to do so. They're happy to hear preaching on things they already agree about, but if a lesson contradicts their existing views or practices, they get mad. They are like those in Athens who mocked. Some other brethren hear the same sermon, and while it plainly shows that there are things they need to change in their life, they postpone any action. 
These are the ones who commend the preacher as they go out the door. I really needed that, or you really stomped on my toes today, and yet they do nothing. They continue in their former ways, effectively saying, quote, we will hear thee again of this matter. Thank God that there are those who are tender-hearted, those who are always looking to bring their life into closer harmony with the will of God. These are the folks who, upon hearing the truth, respond by putting it into practice in their lives. If it means changing from what they previously believed, they will do so. Their commitment is to the Lord, serving Him as their first priority. May their tribe increase. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We want you to check out our website where you can find information about our upcoming community Bible study. It is thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com if you have any questions about that uh, upcoming study. Want more directions or information? Jacob, we're going to try to get uh, David Aiken maybe to join us two weeks from tonight, Lord willing, and give okay. a little tease about some of the things that he plans to be talking with us but about. But if you have questions, you can email us, questions at collegeview.com. Okay. All right. Uh, the final question we ask about abortion, uh, boy, it's this easy to get on a soapbox about abortion. It's such a horrible crime and sin and just a, a crime against humanity. It's not a crime in our judicial system, but it's sure a crime against humanity. It's just a horrible, horrific sin. But, you know, sadly, even among Christians who would be, by all accounts, pro-life, mm-hmm. in other words, they, they, right. but they say you've got to make an exception now. You've got to make an exception if the, if the life in the womb was conceived by rape or incest. Mm-hmm. And I've known a number of Christians who take that view, and I just wonder why. I mean, if, if a life in the womb is a life, and if you are taking an innocent life, it's still a life, and it's still an innocent life. And by whom it was conceived doesn't make any difference. It's still a life. Yeah. Uh, I just don't see how that logic works out. Josh, any thoughts? Uh, two wrongs don't make a right. So the so the, the rape was wrong. That's a yeah. sin. But then if the the woman turns around and aborts the baby, then now she is sin. Yeah. You know, so two wrongs don't make a right. And but that's basically what they're arguing. In other words yeah. the the rape or the incest was wrong number one. Mm-hmm. So now let's kill the baby, wrong number two, and suddenly we get back to a right yeah. situation. Math doesn't add up. Doesn't add up, does doesn't it at all. No. Uh uh, I had an article by Wayne Jackson in which he proposed an interesting uh, conundrum, if you will. So, so here's a woman, and she has conceived a child by rape, but she carries it to term and the child is born. She nurtures it. She cares for it for maybe a couple of years. Uh, but then she f- goes to a psychologist and just says, I can't, I can't do it. I just, I, I've tried. I've tried my best. Mainly I've tried to accept. But every time I see this child, I'm reminded of the horrible events that caused his conception, and I can't take it. Can I kill him now? Well, everybody would say, absolutely not. Are you crazy? You can't kill that baby now. Why not? What would be the difference, logically? Right. Uh, uh, And so, I mean, we just got to – but logic just goes out the window a lot of times when people are arguing these kind of emotional issues. By the way, it's kind of interesting, although this doesn't prove anything. Cases of of pregnancy caused by rape are incredibly low. 
uh, and not to go into all the biology involved, but the, the very circumstances of it uh, very typically prevent conception. And and the statistically, statistically, the number of abortions that are performed because of claimed rape or abortion are just an infinitesimal fraction of the whole number that are being committed. It, it's usually on the order of less than 1%. Less than 1%. So we're going to kill 100 babies because maybe one of them was conceived by rape or incest. We, we've got to keep abortion legal for all because there's this tiny fraction of people that we think should be allowed to have abortions because of rape or incest. I don't think those should be either. But imagine we're going to kill all these other innocents because of that tiny problem in comparison to the... I mean, it's a horrible problem. Obviously, rape and incest is a horrible problem. But in comparison to the whole, the bigger picture, it's just crazy. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. To the question, is abortion justified in cases of rape or incest? Chris in the U.K. says... Uh, do we punish the guilty or the innocent for the crime? Surely the death sentence for the cry, the child's conceived seems harsh when he or she is a victim in this, not the perpetrator. Hmm, interesting. It's the death sentence, he says. Uh, but sadly, the, the perpetrator often goes free. If you could call their bluff and say, okay, we'll allow those but ban the rest, over 96% of the abortions, Chris says, would they accept it? They don't because it is an extreme emotional ploy they want to use to allow all abortions. So Chris that's is it. seeing through that's exactly right, the rhetoric Chris. here. That's Thank exactly you, Chris. exactly right. All right. Uh, so on to the right. next topic. Now let's talk about, okay, I think probably everybody who is listening or will listen to this program tonight is on the same page with us about physical abortion. But we're want to suggest that there's another thing going on that is equally scary and that is that parents are effectively aborting their children spiritually that is causing them to die spiritually by failing to do their parental responsibilities and could we dare say they lack natural affection because a lot of the decisions they make are decisions that are careless due to the fact they're not truly concerned about their children's spiritual well-being. Maybe yeah. they lack that, nat- that natural affection and natural, natural care and concern for their, their children. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Uh, we ask, what are some of the most misguided priorities that parents pursue in regards to their children that can lead to spiritual death? Uh, Chris said, uh, if I was to limit it to one word, he- hedonism, mm-hmm. uh, however, it manifests, however it manifests itself. Uh, that is, a World Cup game is not a reason not to go to church. Uh, Chris, you're going to have to okay. forgive us. We're not we're not terribly that taken must, over. That's by... a bigger problem probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the U.K. Though. Yeah, and I think England is still in it, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're not we're not terribly given over to World Cup uh, business here in the United States. It's, but but, 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 but the other part of football is probably the worst. But the, in the rest of the world, World Cup is the be all and yeah, end But we're all. doing it with American football. They're doing it their regular their football yeah, over yeah. there. But uh, uh, but but his his example is right. We're not going to church today because we got to stay home and see this game live on TV. You know that. But anything like that is what he says is is really. And I think you're exactly right, Chris, because the idea is that parents 
teach their kids that things come before God. Josh? Yeah, I mean, it, the question mentioned priorities. So we've got priorities, and we've got to set them. And uh, sports is a huge uh, priority for a lot of people in our country. But whatever the priority is, if it's if it's education, if it's career, whatever it is, just some kind of hobby. And I like recreation too, but anything that comes before God, that becomes our God. And so that's that's where the problem lies. Yeah. All right. Uh, Along those same lines as what Chris suggested, I I would I would argue that uh, materialism in our in in our world today is is a great issue for our kids because we live in the most prosperous time in the history of the world. We live in the most prosperous place in the history of the world, and kids today have so much and are are sort of taught to crave the material things that the world has to offer. There's a discontentedness that, that is being bred in our children because they have, they have received so much without even putting forth any effort to, to earn it. But there's just a, a, a gross materialism. Solomon warned in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. There's just no end to that. That's right. And that is probably not necessarily bred in the children in isolation. It's bred in their parents, unfortunately, and and the the, the children are likely viewing that and learning that from their parents, their behavior. 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verse 8, and having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Parents need to ask themselves, are they given over to this covetousness, uh, uh, Josh? And is it, uh, is it driving their life and, and, and as a result, ruining the lives of their children? Right. Well, and in that same passage in verse 5, he said that some suppose that gain is godliness. The verse 6 said that godliness with contentment is great gain. So, yeah, being being godly is what's really gain you know we're out here trying to get things and get a place in life and get ahead and but being godly is is great gain yeah so uh, here's here's a parent with a child what's your number one priority for them if you can't honestly say in your heart my number one priority is that my child learns to love god and serve him be a faithful christian go to heaven when they die if they ended up living a life of physical poverty but they made it to heaven. It would be a win. It would be right. a success. Right. Uh, but parents don't see it that way because we live in a very materialistic age. Right. Um, and we need to. We need parents who would take the admonition of Hebrews 13, verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, Josh, it needs to start with the parents. We need to say, hey, I'm content with what I have, and I'm going to show that contentment to our ch- my right. children, and we're going to stress spiritual things over the physical. Right. We're not missing out. You know, thinking, oh, we're going to miss out on things, but heaven's going to be worth it all, whatever we have to miss out on here. Okay. I, I think you're right. And and, and, and all, all this all blends together. But, you know, another, I think, huge problem, and, again, it goes to this very thing that Chris mentioned, hedonism, is – I think parents are making such a big mistake when they actually say, I don't want my kids to be different. And then they act accordingly. You know, they, I, I, don't want my, I don't want my kids to have to deal with being different from the accepted crowd. And so they, they let them dress like the world dress. They let them go where worldly people go and do the things worldly, worldly kids do. Uh, just 
just sometime or another, do a quick Internet search on the things that the average teenager in America is involved in. Talk about drugs, alcohol, illicit sexual behavior. And, I mean, it's the statistics are just shocking and make, you, make your stomach turn. And then to hear a Christian say, I don't want my kids to be different. Man, you better hope your kids are different uh, because if they're like the world, they're, they're far gone already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we and, and parents are maybe they're, they're, the kids are going to be different, but they're going to isolate them from that as much as they can or yeah. try and give them a consolation prize. You know, well, you can't go to the prom, but we'll do something else special for you. Well, I mean, there's some judgment calls there, but when they grow up, they're not going to get a consolation prize. Right? You, you can't go to the office party, uh, Josh, because there's too much carousing. But uh, come on, we'll do something. We'll have a little something you know, special for you. you know, I've actually heard some parents talk about that recently, and I think they're making a pretty good point. You know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not diametrically opposed to the idea of these prom alternative kind of things. Yeah, it's a judgment but, call. I but, don't. Know. But what would be wrong with teaching your kids to accept the reality is? I didn't go to the prom, and I don't need anything alternate to do. I'm paying a price for being a faithful Christian. Yeah. You know, teach them that there is a sacrifice to be made. There is a the cross-bearing hey, activity it, here. This is the start of a long life of being different, and there's some things you're not going to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, we need to teach them what Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Not maybe. You will. So teach while, while you've got you know talk about doing things for your kids while you still got them on, uh, where you can help them and influence teach them how to deal with persecution teach them how to experience sacrifice giving things up in order to serve the Lord faithfully help them learn that lesson while you can yes that's right while you're there to support them in yeah, that yeah 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 so yeah there's some judgment in all of that but uh, certainly don't shy away from letting them be different all right so. Uh, Again, a, a lot of a lot of the thinking of parents actually is in the wrong direction because it's sending our kids down a path that leads to spiritual death, and that's what we were suggesting, you know, sort of spiritual abortion. So what do we owe them? Let's, let's talk we'll about that when we come back. Let's get a break, and we'll talk about that. Go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. 
I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A new study has found that Christians are not evangelizing as often as they used to. The recently released study is a follow-up on a study conducted back in 1993. A revealing change in the statistics between 1993 and today was that in 1993, 89% of Christians agreed that sharing their faith was a responsibility of every Christian. Today, just 64% say so, a 25% drop. That information is via ChristianHeadlines.com. The Word of God says in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back and going to the top of the hour talking about uh, spiritual abortion now. Lots of folks that are, uh, well, they're sacrificing their kids' spiritual well-being uh, and making terrible uh, trade-offs uh, as they pursue things of this world. Hey, Jacob, we, uh, cyberspace must be moving slowly tonight. I got a, a, a email from our friend Chris in Georgia that, oh. that I didn't have earlier, and, and he's commented on the things we've been talking about. Okay. He talks, just real quickly, he talks about the shocking statistics of abortion. He says the, the most shocking thing is the enorm, enormous number of children that are murdered many times in the name of convenience. Uh, and society's attitude toward abortion is shocking as well. He said, I read an article not long ago about an actress from a children's movie in the 80s who had an abortion. She was actually bragging that her first one in Seattle was her best abortion, Uh, of all things, if you can imagine. Unbelievable. He makes some of the very same arguments we made from the Bible against abortion. And he agrees with us that concerning rape or incest, the circumstances surrounding the conception, no justification for abortion. Uh, so now to this point, what are some of the most misguided priorities that parents pursue in regards to their children? He says, I firmly believe that the biggest misguided priority parents pursue is the supposed need of their children to be constantly entertained. We shove cell phones in their hands before they even turn 10, put TVs and computers in their rooms, place a higher priority on ball games and vacations than on attending church. This feeling that we have a need and a right to be entertained has spilled over into many adults in the church. Hence, we have so many unscriptural practices that the churches get involved in, and adults find more excuses not to attend than reasons to attend for worship and Bible study. Wow. That's I think Chris, great. You know, I think Chris is right. You know, that, that, that uh, appeal for entertainment in churches is backfiring on them. People, it's getting old now. It's not fun anymore. So the, these churches that have gone... Whole hog into full rock band uh, smoke. Yeah, yeah. By, the by statistics show. are saying now people are leaving those those churches pretty big numbers because after you've seen it for a while, it's all the same. Uh, same light and, show we had last week. Yeah, yeah. And so they're they're losing. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks, Chris, for yeah, those good. It's very similar to what Chris in the UK said. That that one word hedonism, and that seems to be the dominant uh, appeal of folks today. Exactly. Right. So what do we owe? We we ask the question. Then what do what do parents owe their children? First of all, physical necessities. Well, we were just griping about the fact that people put, uh, you know, all of this. You know, I got they got to have uh, they got to have a new car. Uh, you know, they have to have the best computer. You know, they 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 need a smartphone. 
We were just griping about materialism, and now we're saying that parents do owe their children necessities. Yes, and uh, Chris in the U.K. hit it on the head here. He says, but if any provide not for his own, he references First Timothy 5 or Satan, especially those of his own house. He has denied the faith and is worse than infidel. So he's talking about providing for the needs, but we need to set what our, our maybe our standard is and what our requirements are, what our needs really are versus our wants. That gets us back to First Timothy chapter six, verse eight: Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Yeah. It's a lot less that we really need, that our kids really need, than what uh, our society today is telling us that they need. Exactly right. Uh, Chris in Georgia says we need to ensure that they have food, clothing, shelter. We are responsible for their well-being. We need to do everything we can to keep them healthy. Obviously, uh, because if we didn't do those basic things, as as First Peter. 5 verse 8 says we'd be worse than an infidel but there's a difference between necessities and wants and uh, i mean and, and the gap is growing wider all the time <laughs> yeah and uh well that's marketing for you right to tell you that what your your wants are really your needs and uh, your kids really need this josh yeah. if you loved her you'd get her that hey so there's just uh, the basic necessities of what we're providing and then you don't have to have the coolest new toy or game that's not that's not a need. Like you said, that's a want. And, and marketing people, yeah, you, you need this, yeah. uh, but it's just a want. Yeah. Kyle, yeah. anything? No, which I've actually just started looking at these little conveniences and all these things that just make us want to trap us in just the things of life. And it's just all these little things that make life convenient are actually just seem like they're just trapping us. They're just wanting us to be so distracted. It's just like our, not necessarily phones, but all these other little things. Just got to make sure what we're focusing on, we're not being trapped by those and captivate and idolizing those things i think you're right yeah and it's it's happening to parents where they're being distracted from their their job yeah yeah yeah, exactly right so the second thing on our list was we owe our kids instruction in god's word okay uh boy that's a big failure i think in in lots of homes and sadly even in, in in a number of homes of those who are themselves christians parents are christians but they are not investing time and energy and making sure their children are instructed in God's word. And so we're, we're, we're raising a generation that's effectively biblically illiterate. They are. And it's, it's, it's sad. Uh, this, to this, uh, Chris in the UK cites Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk, talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you sleep and when you awake. Talk to your children about God's word all the time throughout yeah. the day. Yeah. Chris in Atlanta says, uh, instructing in God's word is so critical. If more parents took Deuteronomy 6 uh, seriously and made it a priority, that's what you just read, Jacob. Uh, Teaching the word of God, talking about God's word, be an example of how to apply God's word in day-to-day life. Then their children will be much more prepared to face life and its temptations. Many parents fail miserably in this area. I think that's right. It's pretty amazing how early that instruction can begin uh, we do a thing here at College View, and I think a lot of congregations probably do a similar thing on Sunday nights. We have a little what we call children's Bible drill. We just get all the kids to come up front. We just drill them on basic Bible stories and characters and uh, quote the books of the Bible and quote some memory verses. And It's pretty amazing how if, if they're being taught how young they can begin to give the, those, those answers back. All right. Uh, certainly, uh, don't wait. Nine one one six says you could add praise, a godly example, thirst for the word. 
uh, that thirst for the word. Uh, Josh is something we need to instill. It's something we need as adults. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we don't we don't wait till our kids get to be uh, grown to start teaching them about mathematics and science and English and how to spell and write their name. Mm-hmm. Why would we do that on some of these other things about uh, as nine one one six mentions thirst for God's word? That needs to start young. Yeah, I agree. Exactly right. Okay, we've been studying in Second Timothy here at College View, and I was thinking about verse 5. It says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also, Paul wrote to Timothy about the faith that he had, and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that tells me that Timothy's family instilled the word of God in him at a young age, and so that's what produced faith, and so that's what produces faith in us and will produce faith in our children. Nothing but, but God's word. Exactly right. Exactly right. right. So we got to instruct them. We've got to discipline them. Another thing that we owe our children is discipline. To and that, Chris, in the U.K., references Hebrews 12, verse 7. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? All right. Well, there are some, well, quite a few in our society today, sadly, but uh, who their father does not discipline. But in, in, the, in the way that God would have it, there should be no father who does not discipline yeah, his son. And the, if you don't discipline, it's a sign that you don't love, Josh. Yeah, Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. So I, hate is a strong word, and if you if you don't discipline your child, what the proverb writer is saying, that's an absolute lack of love for them. Yeah, yeah. And, right. And again, we know some even Christians, again, who, who refuse to exercise discipline on their children. And basically, if, if even specifically, you hear Christians who don't want to engage in uh, uh, corporal corporal punishment or spanking. Oh, I don't believe in spanking. Well, you're basically denying the Word of God when you say that. Now, obviously, there's limitations. There's limits. You can go. You can do too much. You can go too far. You can be abusive. But properly administered corporal punishment is biblical. So we're talking about spiritual abortion. And so, if you don't discipline them, you're ensuring it says. That they could be lost. That their spirit that they could die spiritually. Could die. Yeah. Being set up for failure. Yeah. Real quick, we're just all but out of time. We need to set a godly example. Yes. We owe them that. Uh, because our kids are going to learn probably as much or more from our example as they are from our words. You know, the, the old statement, do as I do, but don't do, do as I say, but don't do as I do. That doesn't work, never has worked. And it, 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 so we need to set the right example. Uh, before our kids, they're going to they're going to be really watching us. And I've I've made the point. I think it's a fair point. You can be right ninety nine times. You can do the right thing, do the wrong thing once, and that one time will teach them more than all the ninety nine right times that you did. Yeah, they're looking for that uh, that inconsistency. Yeah. And uh, yep. Josh, any thoughts? Yeah, I just think you've got to you've got to set up an environment that causes a child to want to serve God and want to live a godly life. You know, if they if they see you saying one thing and doing another, then they're going to say well, this is a big joke. I mean, kids yeah. are smart; they're going to learn quickly. Exactly right. What about a peaceful home? You had that as your last. Thing. The last thing I had on there was we owe them a peaceful home. Uh, no, parents need to know that their kids are are patterning themselves. There, there, a, a pattern is being established in the kids. In other words, Josh, your little girl is learning what a father and a husband is supposed to be by watching you. And she's learning what a mother and a wife should be by watching Kristen. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be in her, I mean, strongly in her 
for the rest of her life. She's she's pattering on you right now. I mean, how many of us as adults can't say, I, I see my I see my parents in me, you know, uh, because it, that is such a strong, powerful influence. And so you know that that's the case and work to make your home what it ought to be. All right. Uh, good discussion tonight. Kyle, anything from you on your side tonight? Uh, which is just a very good discussion. So that's just uh, parents and Christians and grandparents. Anybody who has an influence on, the, on a child's life needs to make sure that they're influencing them for good. Because we'll have to. I think we'll have to answer for that someday if we're not. So I think we need to make sure that we're doing what's right. Exactly right. How about you, Josh? I think it's a good study. As raising raising children, it's good encouragement for me to do the right thing. Well, thank you for being here tonight. I appreciate encouragement it. Encouragement to us. Glad that you took time to, to come and join us. Thank you. Dad, thanks for the good discussion tonight and the good comments. Thanks, Jacob. Hey, I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word tonight. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.